0: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being here. We are in Jude, chapter, well, chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, Uh, and we actually, chapter or verse 10 is kind of summarizing the people, and then verse 11 is going to introduce three individuals from the Old Testament, Cain, uh, Balaam, and Korah. just like before, there's a triad, but it was three groups, uh, Sodom and the Israelite, the Exodus generation, and then the angels. Now he's got three individuals that are going to be used to identify them. That in verses 12 and 13, they'll be explained why they're a problem in the church. Now, that that Jude is writing to, or writing about. I'm going to read just these verses out of the NIV to start with, and then I'm going to uh, ask a question, kind of point some things out, and then we'll start breaking this down. Uh, we may end up having to spend a couple weeks in these verses 10, 11, 12, and thirteen, uh, simply because I want to go back. I think in the Old Testament and look at the stories of uh, Balaam and uh, and Korah, because we can say in generally, you know, uh, <laughs> Balaam, you know, for money, led Israel into sin, and and Korah rebelled against the authority that God established. But kind of get into the story and kind of see how it works out. It it may be a little more insightful. But anyway, here we are in in Jude. Um, I'm going to begin in verse 5. Though you already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord delivered His people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. This is the first triad. And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their own home. These He's kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. Uh, and again, notice the, the people uh, came out of, of Egypt and the angels were already, in a sense, in a place with God. I- Israel was being delivered. The angels had been assigned a place of authority and they forsook those things and rebelled against God and were punished. Which again, I believe in salvation by faith in Jesus Christ. We believe in eternal security. Once you're a child of God, you're not going to stop being a child of God. But yet these verses are kind of on that. If you're there and then you don't continue, uh, were you ever really there? Were you ever really said you're a son of God or you believed in Christ? Did you ever really, was it just a mental ascent? Was it just a religious activity or were you really transformed? The idea being, if you are transformed, you're going to continue to repent and continue to move towards the light. So again, this is a warning to, uh, and, and we'll see it at, throughout this, is uh, I, we want to be secure in Christ. But at the same time, if your actions are not lining up with, your, with, with the righteousness of God, then this is calling us to double-check your hearts. Are you sure you're saved? Again, not doubting your salvation, faith in Christ, not doubting uh, the assurance we have. But this is definitely challenging. These people were brought out of Egypt. The angels were in their place of authority, and, and then Sodom and Gomorrah, and they all were punished. Okay, they serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. And once again, I have to stop and mention uh, Tel El-Hammam, the, the place right across, and it's going to come up today in our story again, uh, the Dead Sea right here. Here's, say, Jerusalem jordan river jericho right this is a, this is a plain uh, a, a circular plain area it drops down into the rift valley which is the jordan valley so this was a plain and then it rises up into the mountains of jordan right here is a city of it was called uh sodom uh today it's called tel el hamam in uh uh i spell that wrong uh i can look right here tell Hamam, H-A-M-M-A-M. Okay, I can read that. Uh, this place was leveled, uh, as the biblical account we, we see. There's an article came out in Jerusalem. Uh, was it Jerusalem Post this week? Uh, and I put it on my my Facebook page. Uh, a couple things. It's mean, a scientific research that's going into this, and this place was just leveled. The it was just sheared off, a flat place. Today, when we talk about uh israel coming up this way out of the wilderness they're going to camp at a place called this is a strange word how are you going to say it that's the plural so we we'll say Shatim, whatever you want to, but that's what it's going to be referred to right there they're going to camp at Shatim. and what that is at that point is it, it's, it's, the, it's the mound of what used to be Sodom. It's, it's a huge mound. And once you're up on top of there, you can see all around. If you're going to come in here in a military uh, uh, attack coming across from Jericho, that's where they're coming from, this is going to see all the way around. It's a perfect place. And even uh, Dr. Collins, who excavates it, talks about that right there, that they, they came up there. The only thing that was there was it was a flat, blown off because of the the aerial outburst just blew off the top of sodom and then coming back you know 600 years later it's still a waste grown over with these uh acacia trees and uh, uh myrtle myrtle trees myrtle trees uh and uh that's where is that's where moses camped so that that is again uh even today that verse just pops because it says the serve as an example to those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. It's, it's more than just a story. It's more than just a legend. It's more than just something out of uh, ancient Israel history. It's a place you can go and excavate today, touch it, and see. This is what happens when your culture becomes culturally uh, immoral and totally depraved, is you're going to be eliminated. And so that's going to come up again today. Nonetheless, here comes our, our new verses. In the very same way, these dreamers... Pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and slander celestial beings. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not dare to bring a slanderous accusation against him, but said, The Lord rebuke you. And so, meaning, respect the the authority, respect the laws that are established. Don't go off on your own. but follow. It was a legal battle between Michael and Satan. And Michael didn't say, You dirty, foul spirit. It's just like, Listen... You're outside the law. The Lord himself, the law, rebukes you. You you can't do this. Uh, Meaning, stay within the lines of authority. Verse 10, again, I said new material before, but here it is. Yet these men speak abusively against whatever they do not understand. And what they do not understand is the spiritual dimension. They are dreamers in in the idea that they have... uh, ideas visions fantasies they're not real so they're dreamers and they are explaining this spiritual dimension the spirit spiritual they're talking about it they're going to explain it to you but they're coming at it not with the text the scripture not with revelation but their own personal dreams visions insight but it's like you don't even know what you're talking about you, you, it, that's not even real. It's, it's, like it, it's like a Disney program. I mean, you're making this up like a fairy tale. But yet they're teaching this. And so they speak, it says, uh, these men speak abusively against what they do not understand and what things they do understand by instinct, like unreasoning, unreasoning animals. These are the very things that destroy them. The things they do because they are human because they are temporal they live in a body they understand the natural world you know i mean they understand natural instinctive you need food you've got a sexual drive you've got these natural things but the difference that separates mankind from an animal is man also has the ability to reason meaning you can't eat the whole cake you can have a slice of cake but you can't eat the whole thing You know a dog. A dog is not going to say, well, you know, if I eat the whole cake, I'm going to get sick and vomit all over the kitchen. I'll just have a small slice. No, a man is going to reason and say, if I eat too much, I'll get sick. Maybe they remember from last time they ate the whole cake. But a man is going to reason. The animal, they both have the same instinct. I want to eat the cake. But the the animal is going to eat the whole thing, and time after time after time, they're unreasoning. These men, they're up here speaking about spiritual matters, which they're completely off base. You don't even know what you're talking about. You're just saying stupid stuff. But the problem is, they're not just blogging somewhere. These people, now you're going to have to make a decision here in a moment, these people are in churches. These are leading people that have come to Christ. These people have risen up amongst them and are leading the people of Christ putting aside the Bible, oh, look what I saw! And they're expounding elegantly on these spiritual matters. It's like, you don't even know what you're talking about. And the things you do understand, instead of being a reasoning man and reason about natural things, natural desires, and reason, again, from Scripture or natural revelation of moral restraint, you throw all that off and you're like an animal. The things you don't understand you speak about in stupid terms. The things you do understand, you throw off reason, and you're a basic animal just running after your desires. So of the three things, you can have spiritual web revelation, you can have be a natural man with spiritual or revelation from God showing you how to live a moral life and control your desires, or you can reject this truth, reject this restraint, and just live like an animal and be devoured by your, your natural desires. Well... That is what these leaders are. I'm going to read it again. Yet these men speak abusively against whatever they do not understand. Up here, they don't understand that. And the things they do understand, the natural, because you live in a body, uh, the things they do understand, by instinct, like unreasoning animals, these are the very things that destroy them. They're eating too much cake, and you're going to be destroyed. Okay, that's verse 10. Now here comes a second triad. These are we had three groups that Jude used just a couple of verses before. Now he's going to go to three individuals. Woe to them, and that woe is like is like Jesus referred to, it's like it's coming upon them. Woe, you do not want to see what's happening to the, this, the future is scary, devastating, it's repulsive. Woe to them. They have taken the way of Cain, they have rushed for profit into Balaam's heir, they have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. So if you look on your notes right here on the first page, um, I've got in the box, and you can see, just this is the Greek right down here. It's kind of interesting just to kind of look at it. You can see the name. You can see Cain is in a square box. And then Balaam is in a square box. And then Korah. And then the underlying phrase would be, the descriptive. The, they've gone the way of Cain, the heir of Balaam, and the rebellion of Korah. So you're going to have three people. You're going to have Cain, Balaam, and Korah. Now these are not in chronological order. These two are switched around. The commentators mostly that's because Korah. Has an absolute destruction in the end, kind of like this is the way you get the Korah's destruction. So with it, chronologically, Cain number one, Korah chapter 16, 17 of Numbers, Balaam chapters 22 through 25 of 26 of, of Numbers. But this is going to be the way of Cain. This is going to be the uh, heir of Balaam, and this is going to be the rebellion. And so right here are, are, are the scriptures. There's a way that Cain is going, that these apostates are going. There's an heir that Balaam made that these apostates are going after. And there's a rebellion. So just, just you know, flying over this very quickly, uh, they're rebelling against God's established authority. And they're putting themselves in that place of authority. They are in heir... Because instead of coming, later it's gonna say they're shepherds who feed only themselves, instead of coming and helping, you know, bless the people that God has blessed, they are coming in and trying to use the people for profit. They see it as a way to cash in. It's all about themselves. They're they're serving themselves, not the people. And the way of Cain, again. We, we there's you know cain was a murderer. we'll talk about you know he's a murderer he didn't listen to god he didn't have faith a variety of things the way of cain seems to speak of there was god's way for example of the sacrifice and cain from the very beginning wouldn't follow that he had his own way so this don't don't accept this think about it but this could be he's creating or he's got his own religion he's got his own system He's rejecting, for example, we'd be rejecting faith in Christ for salvation. Instead, we're going to do good works. Instead of having the way, you got this way. So this group right here, they're coming up with their own way of religion. They're using the religion for their own profit, like Balaam, and they're rebelling against authority. So that that is the general. We can spend two weeks on this, and we probably will, but that's the end of the story right there. You can go home. Class is over. But... For the sake of because uh, I just can't I keep putting out more and more audio and video. I'm just going to keep you here and keep talking. I want here's the question I've got seriously. Now here's a serious question that I've got, and it's, it's, it's ongoing, and uh, I, you're free to evaluate and have an opinion. but right here, this, these people are that not Cain, Balaam, and Cora. But the apostates that these people, the individual leaders that Jude is talking about, they're into this. And they are in the church. The, uh, the, the, there's later on in church history, coming up later in the, the, the first century and definitely in the second century, there was what we'd call apologetic works. Where they would write letters to the emperor and argue the case for Christianity. So they're going outside of Christendom. They're writing to the pagans saying, You don't understand. We're trying to, we're, we're taking care of the poor. We're feeding the homeless. We are not a problem for your society. We are a benefit to your society. They, they began to explain Christianity to the pagans. Uh, there are no, and again, I, 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 I haven't, I don't think so, and you, you're free to correct me. The New Testament is letters to churches or you know, ministers, uh, uh, Paul's, like uh, Timothy and Titus, people that are working in the church. So whenever they are addressing problems, they're not addressing the pagan world. The closest you're going to come possibly is going to be Romans chapter 1 where it describes the pagan world. They, 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 they turn away from the truth, harden their hearts, and turn to darkness. Uh, describing what the pagan world is rejecting the natural revelation but otherwise this is all church in-house material do you understand what i'm saying so when we talk about these uh, these apostates these are not your your you know your news anchors your academic professors at the pagan universities or your priestesses in the temples of zeus these are leaders in the church that's that's the issue does that make sense uh, now the question comes, and again, personally, if you want to get personal, where am I in this? Me, Galen, you know. Uh, like, I, I, I've, I, I've, I'm having Bible study in my home on Sunday morning. Why aren't you in church? Well, that's a long question, or short question, long answer. But, okay, so am I creating my own religion? Where's your authority? You're you've, you, you, you just, you know, generation word. It's like, it's like that. And oh, see, ching, ching. You know, I'm going to hit you up for the money offering here later. It's all about, so is this, is this me having left the church? You see what I'm saying? And you should be wondering that very thing. You walk in my door, it's like, hmm, is this him? And that could be. I don't think it is. I also think I'm saved going to heaven. I think I'm following Christ. But I'm also continually warned that don't turn away. Okay. Now, what I've got here is on the bottom of page three because... I stand by my book, you know, uh, Titanic Faith, you know, uh, the the Western Church, lifeboats and maps for the Western Church as they sink into the culture. Uh, How do you find your way out? Well, here's a lifeboat. Follow the scriptures. Um, I want to point out, beginning on bottom of page three, I've got some verses from 1 Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy, Titus, and, of course, 3 John. And then we could go Revelation 2 and 3, showing you churches already in the first century that had, had bailed out on Christ. In, in, in a uh, titanic faith, one of the things that I, again, I, I, I'm, I'm talking to you about what I wrote, so what I thought was brilliant, was there was the warning of coming apostasy. There was the battle with the apostates and then there was the loss of churches to the apostates the early in the first century starting with jesus there's a warning there will be false teachers among you then you get books being written in the battle paul's writing writing the corinthians writing the galatians they're battling the false teachers Let's, say, let's just say 30 A.D., okay, that's safe, uh, C- Corinthians 55 and 57 A.D., and there's b- books around there. They're in the midst of the battle. Don't give in to these people. And then you're going to have 3 John being written uh, probably 85 to 90 A.D., where it's like, we've lost, lost lost we've lost the churches it's like there are false pastors running the church well i'll show you and john is sending teachers to the churches and when they get there they're not allowed to come in and if you support those teachers that john is sending you're kicked out of the church because dial wants to be first so here we go here's some verses again There was a warning of false teachers coming. There was the battle with the false teachers. And then there was the loss that you actually saw. Well, Paul says to the Ephesians as he goes by, when he's sailing to Jerusalem, uh, 57 AD, he says, uh, after I leave, there will be men amongst you that will arise and lead people astray for their own profit. Now, he doesn't say, look out for the temple of Artemis. It's like, no, there are people standing here today that he's saying goodbye to that when I leave, you're going to rise up and take control of people for your own benefit. And so he's warning them here, and by the time we get to John's writing, well, here it is. Uh, just the first verse, just, I'm going to show you this. 1 Timothy 1.20, and I've got verses 18 through 20 written down here. This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, Paul writes, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, by rejecting this, some, by rejecting faith and a good conscience, some have shipwrecked their faith. They've rejected faith, and so shipwreck they've crashed into the rocks, which is a theme coming up in Jude, chapter, or verse 12. Among them are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. So these are not two pagans. These are two people that were of the faith, Hymenaeus and Alexander, and they would be sent out. They would be people that had come to the faith, that Paul trained, trusted them, sent them out, or left them in charge of a church. And in his absence, just like he talked about in Ephesus, they rose up, abandoned the faith, shipwrecked their own faith. You abandoned this? And you go off and you start following dreams, like the dreamers of Jude just talking about, you're going to go off course and crash into rocks. And he says, I've handed them over to Satan that they may learn not to blast. So now you're going to reap the benefit of this age and possibly be brought back. But there's two leaders that have, in 1 Timothy already, 2 Timothy. But understand that here's a long set of verses. Try to hear it for the first time. And we get into here, da 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 da. We've heard this many times. But put this right here in this setting of this battle that's going on. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, meaning they're, they're thrown off the natural restraints, they're ungrateful, they're unholy, they're heartless, meaning they're selfish, unappeasable, you can't satisfy i mean it's like they've got this problem they want you know they they, imagine them at drive through or you know mcdonald's or at a checkout line in hyvee they're they're unappeasable it's like what do you want uh slanderous without self-control brutal not loving good treacherous reckless now this is like it's like paul we you talk you think i'm redundant you like when we talked about this last week like he goes on and on over over. well paul we got my gosh how many more words you just trying to use a spell check here what are you doing treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So if you, want the, if you want to build a church for lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, you know what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to set aside the scriptures and do things that are going to be something more appeasing to them. Lovers of pleasure than lovers of God. Having the appearance of godliness. My gosh, it looks like a church, sounds like a church, but it is not a church. It's got an appearance but denying its power, of, again, the power. What kind, what, is this charismatic power or is this power of a transformed life? Is this the power of the word coming into the heart of a soul of a man and their life being redirected? I mean, the power of righteousness, of, of you were once in slavery to sin, but now you're a child of light and you're walking and pursuing the light. Are you doing miracles? Forget about miracles. Has your life switched directions? They, 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 they talk about power, but they don't have any power. No one, they just keep going in the ditch over here. They're caught in sin and just keep leading people further into sin. Appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households. Now again, many people would say, creep into households. They did not have church buildings when Paul's writing this. This came along later. Actually, you can go into Constantine, say like the 300s A.D., uh, before they actually had government buildings that were given them for church service. like, like They'd be like temples. Uh, so households could be, the church would meet in uh, so-and-so's house, if it be Aquila and Priscilla's house, or Cornelius' house, or someone they're meeting in someone's house. So these people creep into households. You could put churches but it's not like a church like you think today, like a church building. And capture weak women. Again, don't be insulted, but it means they are there to be strengthened, but they are still growing, and so they are weak, needing to be strengthened, but they see them as ah, ignorant, weak, and manipulatable, if that's a correct word. Burdened with sins. Well, you should have been delivered from sins and led astray by various passions. Always learning, but never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. Now, I've considered that myself right there. I'm always teaching, but is anybody ever coming or arriving at the knowledge of the truth? It's like he just keeps <laughs> talking about history and maps and charts. and so, It's like, but is, are we going anywhere? I mean, maybe not. Maybe I'm always teaching, but we're never getting anywhere. This group right here is definitely there. They're, they go into the churches, they take advantage of the people, and they're always teaching, just like dreamers, teaching, talking about things they don't understand, but yet they're talking, and people are writing it down. It's like, you can write down all these dreams and visions and what you know, so-and-so thinks about the spiritual realm and angels, but none of it's true. You're, you're writing stuff down, but it's not true. It's not real. It's a dream. Never able to arrive at the knowledge of truth, just as Jannes and Jambres, these would be the magicians that faced Moses, they opposed Moses, so these men also oppose the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. Again, these people are in churches taking advantage of the people, teaching and talking But they're like Jannies and Jambres. They're actually there to oppose the work of Moses or the work of the truth. They're corrupt mind, and they have no real faith. They do not believe the text of Scripture. They do not believe in Jesus Christ. They're just there in a leadership position going the total direction, just following, in a sense, the flesh, like unreasoning animals. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. Now that's scary. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as it was for those two men. If you have a group of people walking in the truth, and someone comes in and starts talking this way, it'd be like, they won't get very far because they're they're going the wrong way. Who, Who are these people today? Now again, am I one of these people? Am I one of these people that is leading people astray? Am I in, against the truth? Now, I'm against some stuff, but am I against the truth? Our churches in here, they're talking about churches. Groups of people that were gathering together, and they had people come in and lead them, and they followed them into darkness. Titus verse 1, or chapter 1, verse 10, 11. For there are many who are insubordinate, Empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. So there's going to be this group of people that Paul's now. Paul is writing to Titus, the leader of the church in Crete on the island of Crete, and he's there to organize. The church is in a array. It's got even got fights going on. It appears that there are fist fights breaking out during church services. If you read the, the whole book, but it's not a pleasant place, and the culture is not a pleasant culture as far as being godly and righteous. And so Paul is telling Titus, you need to go in there. And anyone who is in... Now, he's not telling, get in that government and get rid of the insubordinate people. Get rid of the people that are in the government party that are, are Jewish. Get them out. It's like, he's not talking about the government. He's not talking about society. He's talking about those who are meeting in homes as Christians. And there are people that are insubordinate. Insubordinate to what? The Pope? No, no, no. The, the, the Methodist you know hierarchy? No. They're insubordinate, first of all, to Paul, But Paul is under the authority of the text of Scripture and the teachings of Jesus. So you're going to have this hierarchy. And and what, what you're going to decide, what starts the hierarchy? What is at the tippy top of the hierarchy? The Methodist organization, or the Pope, or your local, you know, church board. Who's at the top? At the very top is going to be the best thing we can touch is going to be the Word of God. Ultimately, it's Jesus Christ, God the Father. But it's like to touch them, to see them, you're not going to see. But you can see the Word, the written Word, and you do have Paul coming, an apostle, and he starts all of his letters. Paul, an apostle sent by Jesus Christ, meaning. I'm it, follow me. And he's not, he's not shy about it. It's like, I am taking you to the word, follow me. And so this is the high, so when it says insubordinate. Insubordinate against what? I mean, it would have to be Paul and the authority of the word. Empty talkers, now they're, 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 they're not talking about what they're supposed to be. They're talking about something else. Deceivers, their talk is to deceive. And ex- here's one example is the circumcision party. This would be Jews that had like paul was a jew peter was a jew that had come into the church followed the messiah into the church but then brought with them their jewish traditions like we see in the book of galatians it's like no and it confused people because these people are jews jesus was a jew jesus was circumcised and here they come in and they're saying ah and they're leading people straight back into judaism instead of going on with christ That would be one example that he's talking about. And he's not not blasting Jews as a whole, because if you're in Jerusalem still worshiping on the temple, that's your business. But if you're in the church teaching circumcision to the born-again believers, that is a problem. He says, They must be silenced, since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what what they ought not to teach. So again, they, they need to be silenced. They need, you need to shut them up. That, that's what I mean, shut them up. Now, how is Titus going to shut them up? I'd like to ask that people stop or refrain from teaching. about. It's like the reason Titus is there, and again, with a little bit of note on Titus, you probably know, but when Paul was in Ephesus writing to the Corinthian rebellion, he, he writes four letters, but he sends a letter with Timothy, and Timothy apparently comes back crying because it's like, he couldn't handle it. I mean, they just walked all over Timothy. So Paul sends, uh, by the time he sends his third letter, he sends it with Titus. And he doesn't hear from Titus. And now he's, now he's, gonna, he's writing, he's up in Macedonia writing Second Corinthians, which would be the fourth letter. But he's writing, and he is actually concerned that Titus got killed. Because he hasn't heard from Titus, isn't picking up the phone. There's no text message, just like radio silence on the other end. And he thinks, man, he says, Timothy came back crying, just beat up by the church. He sends Titus thinking he'll be able to handle it because Titus is completely different than, than Timothy in personality. And while he's in Macedonia, he, he left Ephesus, gone up to Macedonia and was coming down into Corinth into Greece. Uh, Titus, they meet each other at a coffee shop. Titus passed by and say, Paul, Titus, Titus. Huh. How's it going? I thought you were dead. It's like, no, no, everything's going good. And he had a very, you can see in the letter, had a very positive report, turned the church around. They're ready for Paul to come back and re-engage. They'd gotten rid of the false rhetoricians and all the Greek philosophers. But Titus went over there. What Timothy came back crying about, Titus went over and fixed, and didn't even ask for backup help. Just like, you know, he's just coming through, getting the coffee on his way back to Ephesus. It's like, yeah, everything, everything's good. So Titus is a different type of guy. And so when he drops him off, in fact, the letter to Titus begins when I abandoned you, when I deserted you in Crete. They sailed by Crete. Paul might have got off and saw the church, visited with her, and leaves Titus there and says, you got this, and goes on his way somewhere else. He just basically abandons, says, yeah, I'm leaving you no resources, but you got to fix this, and leaves, and writes back to him here. So Titus is is being told, uh, they must be silenced, since they are upsetting whole families. And you can again, whole families, yeah, or is it the whole church that's meeting in the home? By teaching shame for shameful gain. Once again, there's gain. There's going to be gain involved in this false teaching, what they ought not to teach. Titus chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. But avoid foolish controversies. These are things that the false teaching gets into. And I check myself on these things. Avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law. Again, what does that mean? Again, there's right and wrong. There is a law, but is that like the types and shadows within the law, or the a, 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 a application of the law? For they are unprofitable and worthless. And I know I have at different times been drawn into certain things. Like, ah, oh, this is interesting. Like we're doing it right now with uh, the Noah's family speaks and about the all the. I'm looking at all the different cultures uh, going back to you know after the flood and how everything's all connected and it's, i'm very very careful because it's very very interesting and it's i talked about a few weeks ago about the difference between polygenesis and monogenesis our world is based on the concept of polygenesis there was many beginnings thus racism because everybody evolved from a different species of monkey or turtle or something and it's like here we are all at different different places Uh, and we're all being intermarried and all being combined together now. But some races are different than other races because the polygenesis had many different beginnings. No. There was one monogenesis with Adam, one man, one woman, and everyone came from Adam. And then the world was wiped out with the flood, and now you're going to have a second monogenesis. You're going to have eight people. Everyone's going to come from Noah, and the, through those, those people. And so every culture today, if they trace their stories back, their, their, their legends back, which you know history teaches becomes legend, and legend becomes mythology. So if you can unravel mythology, you'll find the legend, and once you're on the legend, you realize, ah, these were the heroes of old that began. And if it be e- Eastern India, China, Japan, Canada, Native Americans, European, the Middle East, it, it, they're making the point that all these things, they just all go off and they all tell the same story, but the names change, but the storylines are the similar. And if you unravel them, they all come back to this point of monogenesis. And you go, ah, I don't believe that's true. I don't know why I believe that's true either if all those stories lead back to here. But I do believe in monogenesis. If they don't all connect, I don't know. I don't know if they do. It's like that may be one of these you know, genealogies, fairy tales you're pursuing don't go that way. But nonetheless, my point there is it is true. We all, all races, all cultures come from the day they got off the ark. And everybody began to, it's a different world back then, which is kind of, and it's in the book of Genesis, chapter 10 and 11. And it just gives you two chapters of names with a couple comments. But it's all there. It's just all the, the details are missing. Where are the details? the books that we're reading, they're talking about the details are in the ancient legends. They, they, they tell the same story. They fill these. Now, that would be an example of Titus chapter 3, verse 10, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law because they are unprofitable and worthless. That would be an example of me possibly looking in, but again, I, I, I'm, I'm researching it. I'm not making that the point of the gospel, but that'd be an example if that becomes your focus. As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. Now that again, Paul leaving information for Titus. And he's, first of all, to establish the church in Crete, he's going to have to get these people, shut them up or get them out of the church. That's what he's going to have to do. They can't stay in the church, Titus. And Titus, once again, catches up for Paul and everything's taken care of. He solves that problem. I don't think you wanted to mess with Titus. I think Titus would look like one of those, those wrestlers on, you know, some kind of TV show where he's like got the microphone, and I don't know, that's my impression. Timothy would look like a,, you know, a member of a boy band or something. I don't know. That's my impression. OK. Now, now we jump over here. That, that's the battle that's been going on. Now we jump to this time period right here, and there's many things we can look at here. But this is uh, third John verses eight through 10. Therefore, we ought to support people like these. Now, he talk, right there, he's just going to talk about people that are teaching. Now, John was old. He's in his 90s, and he's trained people, and he's sending them out to the churches. He's living in Asia Minor somewhere, probably Ephesus, but he's sending people out to these churches that are reporting back, and they're traveling ministers. Because not everyone had like a, a schooled you know, theologian, so they'd be sent, they'd rotate around, be, they'd run the local church, and then there'd be these teachers would come around and oversee the church and give them instruction, and they were traveling teachers. The didache, which is the writings of the apostles written down late in the first century into the early uh, second century, which most everybody agrees is something from the first century. If the apostles actually wrote it, or if it was a collection of their traditions that the apostles handed down. Like the apostles handed down Jesus' traditions, the didache, called the teaching, the teachings, would be what the apostles had established in the churches. And one of the things they established was these traveling teachers that were coming around. They could come and they could, I can't tell you exactly what it was, but you could come and you could stay. Uh, one day, maybe two days, but anyone who stayed a third day was a false teacher. Meaning you could come, and they would come, in, just like Jesus sent out, you'd go to someone's house, you'd find that house, you'd stay at that house, they would feed you, you'd minister, you'd come back to that house, you'd stay at that house, you'd come back the second day, you'd minister, maybe stay another night, and then they'd give you a sandwich or a meal, they taking your bag, and you'd go to the next church. That was a traveling teacher. It wasn't like a glorious, you know, first-rate hotel, you're staying at someone's house, and you don't get to pick and choose, you stay here, they 'll feed you, you teach here, and when you leave they 'll give you a sandwich, and you go to the next town and the bottom line was if they stay for a third day, they 're a false teacher, get them out you, if ah, i'll just stay here and just camp out and, and keep te- he's like, no, if you can 't get it said in two days and you need a third day, you're starting out to work the crowd you're working the crowd with some kind of a you know seminar or something like that, nonetheless chapter uh, 3 John, verse 8. Therefore, we ought to support people like these that we may be fellow workers for the truth. So there's these people that are doing it good. I have written something to the church. He says, this church, I've written a letter to the church. But Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. Do you understand what's happening right there? There is who, whose authority is being challenged? John's. John's authority is being challenged. And John is Bible teacher. He's representing the truth, the Word of God. And it's being challenged by the church, who has been taken over by Diotrephes, who's now the leader of the church. So John is not allowed in the church. So in this case, the, the rebel, the heretic, has taken over the church and is rejecting John. It says, uh, I have written something to the church. But Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. We don't need any, we have nothing to do with John. I've got this. Diotrephes, I'll do it myself. Uh, so, if I come, again, he's 90-some years old, so if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense about us. So whenever he does talk about John, he's bl- blaspheming John, accusing him of different things, wickedness. And not content with that, I mean, and there's more, Diotrephes also, not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers. Now, who are the brothers? These brothers are these teachers being sent out by John to come and spend a couple days with the church, teach, and then move on to the next one, if they come from John, they're not welcome. There's no place for you here. They do not welcome the brothers, and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. In other words, he's warning who he's writing to. John is writing third John to an individual in this church and telling him, look out, because dial Treyfes. If he finds out you're writing letters to me, He's going to kick you out of the church because he's not letting anyone in this church accept any of the brothers or any of John's teaching. So there's an example right there of, in that sense, the truth. that In that sense, the church has been void of truth. The truth has been removed from the church, and you're going to have to go out here to find John. John is not in the church He's outside the church, and anybody he sends out, the brothers, they can't get in the church. They come back, he's like, John, we can't get in the church. So at that point right there, it's time to abandon the church and go over here and start something and let Dial Traphes take this sinking ship somewhere else. I mean, that's, that's 90 AD. And we haven't turned the page yet to Revelation chapter 2 and 3, and you've got seven churches of Asia Minor, which are all in a very similar condition. In fact, some of them are basically... Uh, they're being said, hey, you're, you're about to have your candle stand removed from the Lord's presence. This is no longer a church. We just took your candle stand out because you're, you're a social club. You're not even a church anymore. And so the question comes, as we look at this for myself, is am I the one, before you go through this and start pointing fingers, am I the one in rebellion? Am I the one teaching a different way? And, and any, at any point, any of us can go, we're always on that, we're saved. But at any moment, you can just, boom, accept false doctrine. And once you accept false doctrine you get false application and that just multiplies like a cancer in a matter of two three weeks, two or three years, you're unrecognizable. So I ask myself that question, but at the same time, why am I here teaching uh, is because I think many churches have already followed Diotrephes and have followed these Herod. They're not following the text of Scripture, so not following Jude's warning to avoid these people. So with that being said, I'm uh, recognizing the thin ice I'm standing on, that I'm going to start accusing people of being rebels. And uh, that, yeah, I, I, in a sense, I, I have. Am I, am I siding with the truth? Or am I rebelling against the truth? And can these be too, truly, that this is truth, and the church of Jesus Christ should be following the truth. But you can't have the institutional church And again, you can't even argue with this because all you got to do is follow it through history. If it's not today, it was 1500 B.C. or A.D. If it wasn't 1500 A.D., it's 1000 A.D. And I don't think you're going to have a hard time defining a church. or The concept that churches right here today are in rebellion against the the gap is here. Are you going to be here or are you going to be here? Because if you're here, you're going to be following dreamers. Now, that's not saying all churches... Are this way, but it is saying you just can't say we went to church. What what church? Like, like I said, I, my boys, when they say my own sons, they say, "Hey, we 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 found a church." What do you mean you found a church? It's like, well, Wait, wait. Well, it's a it's a non-denomination. Got a great praise and worship band. It's like, stop. What do you? No, don't tell me my children are going to church. It's like, what do what do you mean? I thought you're you're a Bible teacher, right? I'm a Bible teacher teaching truth the last thing i want is my sons in a western church in a sinking culture in a spiritually dead following the heretics yeah but the praise and worship is just so rich oh gosh what do you mean rich it's like it's like eat some cake eat the whole thing so anyway and no none of them none of them have gone that way none of them have gone that way of course they grew up with me so they're they're already skeptics okay so here we go we've got 13 minutes okay but anyway that is a warning and again i do I, I i do wonder i look at myself it's like am i too judgmental uh there are great churches out there there are great church, there are great pastors there's great churches out there but you're competing in a market that are you having to compromise to stay in that market that's the question there are there there's crap churches out there and crap pastors there are good churches and good pastors, good men of God. But you are in competition with the crap. How are you faring? Because if you just say, I'm not competing, and you're going to go over here, where, where are you going to find yourself? I mean, in someone's living room? I mean, where are you going to be? Are you going to be able to build the, the structure without, without following all these things? Again, I don't have the answer to that. I just know it's something you should be thinking about and concerned with. Okay, with that being said, I'm going through the notes again. Here we go. Let's see if I can get somewhere with this. That's an important point as we go through this, though. Chapter, page 1, verse 11. Woe to them, because they, they talk about things they don't understand, spiritual matters that they just dreamed of. They're not talking about spiritual details revealed in the text of Scripture. They're talking about their own vision of the spiritual realm and the things they do understand, the natural realm, They've thrown off reason and are like just basic animals just trying to devour whatever they can devour, if it be money, people, what's sexual, whatever it is, they're going after it. That's, that's, the, that's these, uh, these people. Woe to them. And that woe is, again, uh, a statement that Jesus used. It's like their fate is set and it's woe. It's like it's not pleasant. It's like, oh, this is not going to end well. And that is what it means. Woe, it's, it's coming. For they have walked, here's the three right here, we'll t- break this down again, do a little better job of it. They have walked in the way of Cain, they have abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's heir, and perished in Korah's rebellion. So first of all, the way of Cain, uh, this again is worthy of, of, what does this mean? The way of Cain, he murdered his brother, end of story. But when you look at this, I don't think there's leaders in the church that are murdering people. Uh, that'd be a pretty obvious sign. He murdered three people that entered church service. It's like, I, I don't think there are people that are actually dropping dead because they're being slain by these heretics. So the way of Cain, it ended up in murder, but there's something more possibly being said there. And so we turn the page. I've got this written down here. <coughs> Point one on page two, Jude supports verse 10 about speaking about things they don't understand and the things they do understand, they're destroyed by them because they're unreasoning. With three individuals from the Old Testament, previously we'd seen three groups from the Old Testament explain verses five through seven, Cain, and that's Genesis four, four, five, and nine. Uh, I, I'm gonna read it to you just so we can hear the story. So again, this will keep me and you from just, here's what Galen thinks. I'm gonna read, again, some people would judge me because I'm reading the NIV, And again, I would like to have I have the English standard here on the paper, but Genesis chapter four. um, Here's the story of Cain, Uh, and I'm going to just read it. Chapter four, verse one. I'm going to read down through verse verse ten. And what Jude says is they follow these these heretics, these apostates are following the way of Cain. What is the way of Cain? Chapter 4, verse 1, Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. Now, Cain is the first man born, first person born. She said, with the help of Yahweh, I have brought forth a man. Remember, the seed of the woman will crush the serpent's head. And now they don't know, they, they know that's a promise, but when is this man going to show up? Is it Cain? I mean, I mean, it could be. I mean, right there's a the first man. Uh, later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now, Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil in the course of time. Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering now the course of time that that could refer to. the the season like there'd be like a season like we have holidays it may have been the 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 monthly celebration or the annual celebration of when you come and make offerings to the lord you recognize him so it it may be a scheduled event this obviously doesn't take place the next year because that would make abel one-year-old and cain two years old it's going to have to be you know 20 30 40 some sometime in the future in the course of time and then this annual feast or whatever it was A celebration came around, and there was a thing that had been established. you got to imagine, again, be careful while I'm teaching, because, again, that's all we've got. But God, they they would come to and worship Yahweh. Yahweh lived in the garden, but they were driven from the garden. So Yahweh's still in the garden. Cain and Abel are outside the garden. Abel, or Cain, is going to be sent further to the east, away from outside the garden. And so there's an assumption that when they would come with an altar, they would come up to and worship Yahweh in the garden from outside the garden. You know, so they're, they're close to it. They're not just worshiping the sky god. They're worshiping Yahweh, whose you know, presence is in the garden. We're, again, take that with a grain of thought. Similar to a temple. And if you remember, the temple was completely carved with trees. When you walked in, there was cherubim and trees on the walls of the temple, overlaid with gold. Uh, in the course of time, uh, I'm looking for, I lost my place here. Kept flocks. Okay, verse 3. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. Now, be careful. Don't make an assumption. There is, there's grain offerings in the, in, the, in the Jewish law. There's drink offerings. Uh, but it, it appears God's not happy with the offering. Now, is he unhappy with Cain's heart? Or is he unhappy with Cain's offering? But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of the flock. But it's pointed out very clearly. One guy brings crops from the soil. One guy brings a blood sacrifice. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. Not just his heart, but also his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. It's like, hmm not going to accept that so cain was very angry and his face was downcast now at this point nothing's really happened it's not like he's jealous of his brother it's not like you know abel's got all the all the cattle and he's abel or cain is stuck with just the ground doesn't seem any animosity they're both living their lives doing their own thing Abel comes with an offering that is acceptable. Cain comes with an offering that is rejected. Now he's rejecting both the man and the offering, or accepting the man and the offering. So again, can we distinguish between the two? They're two different offerings. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? In other words, obviously you understand what is right. I mean, we're talking about the first man of the world. It's not like, you know, in 2023 and it's like got all these false philosophy I'm so confused. It's like, mom and dad are the first created beings. You learn everything from them. The Garden of Eden is right there. We're right here outside the Garden of Eden. And we're like, where's your false teaching coming from? What, what, what are you confused about? And God's talking to them. I mean, You know, we see God speaks to all of our hearts, but he's never spoken to my heart like this clear, like we're having a question and answer time. Now, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Now, is that his lifestyle that's rejected, or is it his offering or worship style that's rejected? Either way, both is going to fit here. His lifestyle of Cain... Or the worship of Cain. This could be either one, lifestyle or worship, his, his system. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, and you must master it. So now, if you continue in this way, you're going to end up sinning. So this sin would be a lifestyle. This way of Cain would be worship. This would be your approach to God. And his way is being rejected. It's like, no. You need to bring a blood second. You can't bring me your work from the ground. This is, what, this is not what I want. I want the way of Abel. And now, because you've chosen this worship system or this doctrine, this truth, this dream, that's not reality. You're The next thing that comes out of false doctrine is sin. You're going to end up doing something stupid because you don't have the doctrine to support an accurate lifestyle. Truth always produces righteousness. Error always produces unrighteousness. Again, as we're looking at this. Now, Cain said to his brother Abel, Well, how am I going to fix this? How will I fix this problem? I will follow my brother Abel. I will do what is right. No, I've got my own way. I will eliminate the competition. Now, Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where's your brother Abel? Now, right there, again, in your mind, I'm not sure what happens in your mind, and I'm going to give you a very little support for this. But in your minds, because you are secular humanists, Uh, and your thinking is evolutionary that we are at the 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 tippy top of human existence right now today that the only thing available for Cain to kill Abel was a rock and he just crushed his head with a rock i mean it doesn't say he did or didn't Uh, but if you do realize they are slaughtering animals they do have knives And, and in fact, if we go to, uh, go to 1 John, I'm going to come back to this. Go to 1 John. And there's and when you read 1 John, and this is a detail we don't need to spend time on, but I do want to take a cheap shot at secular humanism and how it's affected Christians and their thinking. You think these guys are, I mean, really, in your mind, these guys are basically running around naked, and they're like cavemen. And they're grunting. I mean, they, how do you? Rawr, 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 rawr. You know, I mean, it's like that. That's that's what the world has done to your your Bible. It's like you have no. They're coming out of paradise. We want to get back to paradise. What we want to go back to, like running around naked, and living, eating off trees. It, it's like well, there's something. It, it, it's not like that. Well, you decide. First John chapter three. Uh, verse 12, 1 John 3, 12. Am I, finding, am I finding my place here? 1 John 3. Okay, there it is. Uh, okay, chapter 3, verse 11 to 1 John. This is the message you heard from the beginning. And the beginning is from the beginning of the gospel, not the beginning of time, from the beginning of Christianity, from the beginning of the presentation of the gospel, from the beginning of your faith, you've heard this is the message. John says, I don't give you anything new. I bring you nothing new. In fact, he's going to say in this book, he says, you don't need anyone to teach you because you already have the truth. Now, what does that mean? Now, watch that. He says, you do not need anyone to teach you. You already have the truth. He doesn't mean there's no teachers in the church because we like to have be taught. It means you already have everything you need from the beginning. Stay here. You don't need one of these new brothers coming in teaching you their dreams. It's like, No, we don't need a teacher from out there. We need a teacher from in here. We already have what we need. So when he says, you don't need a teacher, he's not saying you shouldn't have teachers in the church. He says you don't need any teacher coming in with new information because it's all here. Nonetheless, this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil, and his brothers were righteous. Now his brother's actions in the story, he wasn't feeding the poor or homeless. He was simply bringing the right sacrifice. So the only actions we've actually got them doing is their style of worship. Abel's was right, Cain's was wrong. And when it talks about murdered, the word used uh, is, uh, for mur- murdered is the word used for slaughtering a sacrifice, slayed. Like you'd, you'd, you'd cut an animal's neck to bleed the blood. And so that is John. And that, that's not a slam dunk, but that gives more of an impression of you want an offering, you want a sacrifice, I'll give you a sacrifice. Here's Abel. And then Hebrews says Abel's blood still cries out from the ground. So indicating that Abel's blood was, in a sense, uh, you know, Cain coming against him, nonetheless, the idea here that we 're going to stop with today is with this Jude says they have taken the way of Cain they have taken a different they 've taken a different truth they 've taken a different religion they 've got a different gospel they've they 've gone off target so in a sense if if they are in the church with a different truth They are in rebellion, not you. If you are still following John, if you're still following the teaching of the truth, you are the one that has not left. They're the ones that have left. So to follow them is exactly what Jude is writing about. Stop following them. Titus, tell them to shut up. Stop them. They're destroying entire churches because no one has enough God, no one has enough sense. No one knows enough truth to say that's wrong. It's like, oh, I don't want to be rebellious. Oh yeah, right, right. Like Martin Luther wasn't rebellious. Like Jesus wasn't rebellious. Like Paul, Peter, all these people, they died. They were rebelling against the world, following through. The rebellion we don't, we don't want to rebel against John. We don't want to rebel against the truth. These people are rebelling. They're following the way of Cain, taking over entire churches, like Diotrephes. And if you don't follow Diotrephes, he kicks you out of his church. It's like, well, I don't want to be here anyhow. I'm going to follow the truth. I'm going to follow John. Well, he's not even allowed to preach in our church. That's Diotrephes in 90 AD. 90 AD, you won't let John preach in your church. There's churches today that won't read First John because it talks about the blood of Christ. That's, that's ridiculous. That's, uh, it's like... Well, Travis did that in 90 AD, and John called him out for it. So nonetheless, keep that in mind. We've got two more to go. We've got Balaam, and we've got Korah, and then we'll move on. It's a short letter, short letter. <laughs> thank you for your patience. I'll pray, and we're free to go. Father, we do thank you for the chance of looking at these things. We ask that we would sincerely judge our own hearts, that we'd use the Word of God to evaluate ourselves that we would not be arrogant, that we would be humble before you, before your word, and again, allow it to transform our lives, that our doctrine, our correct truth that we would follow would produce seeds of righteousness, and we'd see the fruits of the harvest in our own lives. Again, we ask that we'd be strengthened today to share this with our culture and to proclaim the truth to a people that have not understood it or heard it yet at this time in history. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for your time.